All right, so we're starting a new series today called Summer Psalms, which means every, every week this summer we're just going to pick a different psalm and go through it. And this one I picked uh, to start with was Psalm 13, which is, is very familiar to me. It's one that I've, I've really loved over the years. I've loved listening to music based on it. I've prayed it a lot of times. I've spoken it a lot of times because it, it deals with this question. What do you do with your pain? What do you do with your pain? Where do you go with it? Do you ignore it and put it off to the side? Do you blow it up and make it the central thing in your life? Do you kind of see what happens with it? Do you focus on it? What do you do with your pain? Because pain is a fact of life, right? I don't know if you've ever seen the classic movie, The Princess Bride, right? But there's a scene in which the princess... Uh, she sees, she sees the, the, the man she fell in love with, but she doesn't know that it's him yet, right? And so she looks at him and she says, you mock my pain. What does he say? Life is pain, princess. Best get used to it, right? And it's funny because it is this, this, uh, these extremes, right? Of We, we don't want to mock pain, right? It's a reality. It needs to be taken seriously. Uh, but, you know, if you live more than five minutes, we know that pain is part of life, right? Pain is part of life. And that's because this world is not as God has created it to be, that we have fallen into sin, but also the world and the earth and creation is groaning for redemption, that we have death, we have sickness, we have pain, we have disease. Things are not as they should be. And so we experience pain from all sorts of sources, right? And again, if you live longer than five minutes, you know this, right? <laughs> we have bodies that don't work as they should. Sometimes we make choices that cause pain for ourselves and for others. Sometimes other people's choices affect us, and often it's a combination of a bunch of these things, right? Sometimes things in nature don't work right, that the whole of creation is in bondage to decay. So instead of normal weather patterns, we have extreme weather patterns, right? Instead of uh, the peace that God's called nature to be in, we have competition and scarcity and all these things that happen, right? And in our lives, there's times that we, we feel pain most deeply. And some of us uh, at LifeSpring are, are newer to the camp, and some of us for this summer camp that we've had over years have had so much more history. I've only been here about five years. And for me to have no camp this summer, it, it, it hurts, right? It, it's a loss. It's not a decision that the board or anybody made lightly. But I can't imagine the pain of for those who've been at the camp for 50 years. We've had 10 times as many years of memories and legacy of what that camp's meant. And so the pain that you're experiencing is just an order of magnitude more than I am with this. I'm sure no, not, some of us are no strangers to physical pain. Uh, I've had some digestive issues and some surgeries over the years. And last night I woke up at about 3.34 in the morning and just in this horrible, horrible pain. And that doesn't happen like too often. It happens like once or twice a year. But just, oh man, what, what do you do with this, right? And so you get up and you try to do what you can with the medication and move around. And, but sometimes you're just like, it's just going to happen, and it's going to come when it comes, and it's going to go, go when it goes. And so with pain, sometimes we, we can do something about it, but sometimes we just go through it, right? And so as we go through pain, that's one of the main reasons that Psalms were written. I didn't take the time to, to fully check it, and I apologize that I haven't fully checked it, uh, but some people have said that there's actually more Psalms of lament that talk about pain than any other kind of psalm which is funny, right, because we usually think about it as, as, as a worship songbook, for, for first and foremost. But I know reading through the Psalms, I used to have this impression of, well, it's all just about, you know, like, thanking God and life is good, and I, I don't know if I really have much use for a book like that, you know, if it's only going to be in the happy times. 
But as I read Psalms over and over, I'm like, wow, like, there's really a lot of honesty here. And it's not an honesty that just leaves you in the dirt, right? It doesn't leave you in despair. It doesn't leave you in your pain. But it always starts with addressing God and naming what's going on. Sometimes there's like a person involved or a circumstance that's going to name. And it ends with a trust in God. It ends with, but I, I see this God in the grand scheme of things. I see this in light of who you are, God, because you are good. And it doesn't please your heart that we're in pain, that you mourn for us. As it says in Psalm 56, right, that God actually collects our tears, right? Like, that there's no forgetting in God's mind of our pain and what we're going through. God is a God who sees and who cares. As you get to the New Testament, right, that he talks about that God cares for us more than many sparrows, and he sees when a single sparrow falls. So God understands pain. And this is the God who says, I am making everything new. That in Revelation 21, right, there will be no more mourning or sorrow or crying or pain in the new heaven and earth. This is the God we serve. So that's why in passages like 2 Corinthians 7, Paul can say, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And again, I'm, I'm guessing that most of us are like, light and momentary? Like, what are you talking about here? Like, this relationship is really broken. This circumstance is really awful. This thing I'm going through is really terrible. These finances, there's no answer for this. But we serve a God who is so great that he sees everything, and he can indeed work it all together. But he doesn't say, okay, so just ignore the pain. Just, just bottle it up, just shove it aside, just declare that you're free and well and forgiven and move on and act like it's not affecting you, right? And so he gives us this beautiful gift in the Psalms, which are a whole bunch of different people who have written down honesty, these prayers and songs to God. And so we have people like David who wrote a whole bunch of the Psalms. Uh, Fifty of them, we actually have no idea who wrote them at all. You have the sons of Asaph and the sons of Korah, who wrote 12 and 11. And then you have some earlier ones, Moses, Solomon wrote a couple. And so the Psalms actually span this huge period in history and have a whole bunch of different authors writing honestly to God. And really, they, they write four main things. Now, I tried to find some pictures that I think kind of correspond to this, but there's, there's four main things that Psalms do, right? And just like we have some special guests sometimes that come in, I've tried to use some pictures from some folks uh, for a couple of them that have, have led our congregation in different ways. And so yeah, last, last year at Kids Camp, this is a picture, a picture of Clinton leading worship. Psalms are for worship. They're for worship individually. There's a bunch for gathered worship when you're together at the temple. But Psalms are for worship to God. Sometimes just, God, who you are, you're so great. Sometimes, God, we remember what you've done in history. You are mighty. You've done so much in the past. And sometimes, wow, God, what you're doing right now is so good. But worship is a, is a, a big genre of psalms. And the second is lament. That's Psalm 13. That's what we're going to do today. That's the honest of, God, I'm in pain. There's something bad going on. I'm going to tell you what's happening. I, need, I want you to know what's in my heart. And I, I'm going to name it. I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to go back to your character and your love. We remember in communion, right, every week that what Christ did on the cross. And Christ himself was no stranger to lament, right? Then in the garden, he, he asked God, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, let it happen. But, but not as I will, but you will. He was the one who quoted Psalms on the cross, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have wisdom ones. But a picture of Peter Cusick, because when he comes to share, I always know that that's a guy who's, you know, Works as a payoff pastor and retired and now does a lot more of uh, spiritual teaching and formation with people. And just, man, what a guy of prayer, right? 
some, some psalms are just, here's some wisdom. Here's some about how life works. I'm just passing on some prayer. And then we have psalms that are royal psalms. I think I put a picture of baptism there because that's the symbol of us being adopted into God's family. We are part of the king's household now. And there's a bunch of psalms that talk about the crowning of a king, that talk about a king going into battle, there's a marriage of a king, things like that. So those are kind of the four types of psalms we're going to encounter. So the one today we're going to talk about is lament. Things are bad. I'm in pain. What do I do with my pain? Now, music hasn't changed much, right? The greatest thing about uh, psalms, I think, right, this is the songbook that Jesus used. He would have sang these songs in the synagogue. He would have memorized these and read these as he studied Torah with the other boys in the synagogue school. Jesus would have known these backwards and forwards. And when I look at the songs that are in there, the songbook that Jesus used, I go, man, isn't this just a lot like the genres that we listen to in music today? It's like, we'll sing about relationships, we'll sing about battles, we'll sing about lament, sometimes we'll try to pass on wisdom, it tends to be more like country songs, right? And a lot of times we talk about what we admire, what we want, what we worship. One of the things that comes so clearly through, right, in the music of any culture is what does that culture value? What do you spend your time on, your money on, your attention? Music is just a, a natural venue for what do you worship, what do you value, what do you give worth to? And songs have been a great value for lament, right? We're speaking today to a combined service, right, of our English and Finnish congregation. And if you've ever been to the Finnish service, speaking to any of the English folks, and of course if you're Finnish, you've been to one of those, um, you'll notice a lot of the songbooks, a lot of the songs are in what key? Minor keys, right? A lot of them are in keys that talk about the experience of the people that wrote the songs, that they're not necessarily these super joyful, happy, major key super happy songs because a lot of them come out of times where there was sorrow to be expressed. There was talking to God honestly about this is what's going on in my life. So understanding even like the music that comes out of the Finnish song was like, oh, here's a cultural moment where people were not afraid of expressing this. The Finnish music understands lament. They understand Psalm 13. They understand expressing to God the need for God and asking him to intervene. And that's what distinguishes Christian lament, right? Or in this case, Jewish lament that's become part of the Christian scriptures from just the culture. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. We don't talk about our pain like this world is all there is or our resources are all we have. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who created us for wholeness, for shalom, for a life of him and flourishing, for his life to be through us, to be in right relationship with others and the world he made and for him. And so we speak of our pain not in hopeless terms, but in terms of hope of a God who loves us and who we love. So the one we're going to do today, again, is Psalm 13. And this one has always stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, I remember going through just some really lonely times in my life. This is before I met Jared and before we started dating. And I just didn't know if that was, like, ever in the cards for me to, to, to get married. And there was also a lot of financial things going on at the time. And I just was like, I'm in a big city. I don't really know too many people. And, like, if there's anything, I really feel alone. I really feel like I'm without resources. And I remember going to a... Um, a Christian music concert at Queensway Cathedral, this big Pentecostal church in, uh, in Toronto. If you don't know where it is, just find the Etobicoke Ikea and jump across the street. That will take you to Queensway Cathedral. Um, but they have Brian Dirksen, who's a Canadian songwriter, and he wrote a song based pretty much word for word on song thir uh, Psalm 13. And so that song, that song really spoke to me at that time, and this psalm really began to speak to me, and I've read it over and over. The other reason that I love Psalm 13 is because it's kind of a 
applicable in pretty much any situation. There's, there's some Psalms where you go, I really need to understand what's going on here, or like, I don't think this quite applies to me. But Psalm 13, we actually don't even know the situation that happened. Now, the author of this Psalm is David, um, but we don't know what was happening. We don't have a particular situation going on, a particular person named, a particular type of problem. All we know is that David is bringing a problem to God. And so I love this psalm for that reason because it's one you can say in pretty much any situation. And at the end of today, I'm going to invite us to read through it, to respond a little bit in the worship time. And you may go, you know, okay, I'm feeling something that might go with this psalm. Or I might just need to, you know, say this and get this in my memory for later. But it's one that I find that really whatever is going on, whatever we're struggling with, it's kind of an easy one to start with. Because I feel like you can always bring what's going on to God with this psalm. So I'm going to read Psalm 13. We're going to pull that up on the screen. It's going to be the New International Version. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to bring that up or bring it up in your phone app like I'm doing. So this is what David said. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. For he has been good to me. David looks at what's going on. He goes, there's a problem here doesn't say who the enemies are, doesn't say what the situation is that's happening, but he goes, God, I don't feel like I'm meeting with you right now. I feel like you've forgotten me, and I'm wrestling with my thoughts, and I have sorrow in my heart. Again, I think most of us have been there, right? Ever wrestle with your thoughts? They want to run off in a certain direction? We try to take things captive under Christ and focus on other things and help us fill our mind and focus the way we need to, but man, we wrestle with our thoughts to do that. It's not an easy thing a lot of the time, and I mean sorrow in our heart. The thing that's there that you can't lift, you can't get away from, it just sticks with you. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Now, one way that we read the Psalms, right, is we read them in light of Jesus. We read them in light of what he's done in the New Testament. And so there's some Psalms like this where I'm like, well, I'm I'm not a king. I don't have enemies here that are like literal people looking to take my life, or maybe it's somebody in battle trying to take over the country. Maybe there's, I don't know what's going on. But I do know that there's two things we encounter as people, right? We can encounter spiritual forces, spiritual enemies, and we know that those are defeated at the cross. We know that in Jesus there is victory. So as we pray the Psalms and we encounter this enemy language, we can first of all go, God, would you give victory over every spiritual force, every uh, bit of the devil and his agents that would come against us, God? Help me walk in your victory, your protection, and God, would you give the victory, which you've already won, over any spiritual attacks in my life? But the other thing, right, reading in light of the New Testament, is that Jesus is the one who says to love your enemies, to do good to those who persecute you, right? That we are sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. And so when we're encountering people, we don't pray, God, wipe them out. (laughs) We don't pray, God, get rid of them. We don't pray, God, I've written them off, so you've written them off. We pray, God, would this person be touched by your Holy Spirit? Would this situation I'm encountering with a person have an outcome, God, that I can't even imagine if you work in a certain way. God, would you make the person who's an enemy into somebody who loves you? 
You're the one who turned, right? Um, Saul into Paul. You're the one that took those who were far away from you and brought them near. So God, if there is an enemy, a person in this situation that I'm feeling like I'm in conflict with, Lord, would you bring them to you? And we can pray that even as we pray some of the Psalms about big conflicts in the world and big issues, as we pray about the wars going on in the world. God, we pray for justice and protection for countries and places that are being invaded, right? We pray, God, that you would bring peaceful resolution to conflict. But God, when there needs to be justice, God, we know that you're a God of justice. And I'm not the person to bring justice. But God, you're the God of justice. So we pray these in light of the New Testament. You know, just say, God, this is our enemies. Squash them. <laughs> we say, God, we pray in Jesus Christ. We know that we will wait your justice. But God, we pray that you'll work on the hearts of anybody that we are feeling as an enemy or considering as an enemy by your Holy Spirit. I work in my heart too, God, that I display the love of Christ, that we are the ambassadors of reconciliation, God, that you have told us to be. David here also looks for God to be present. He says for God to look on him, to remember him, to not hide his face from him. I think that's really important when we encounter pain, right? If we try to process things ourselves with our own tools, if we try to deal with things on our own, we're going to get the results that only we can with our humanness. But when we're dealing with pain and we invite God into the situation, we say, God, I don't feel like you're near, but I need you to show up. God can do things that are far greater than we could do on our own. And so David recalls at the end, I trust in your unfailing love. Even as he's experiencing pain, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. He's going to take action and actually speak of what God's done and who he is. And remember, he has been good to me. That is our God. And it amazes me all the time that um, psychology and authors and, uh, you know, different self-help, self-help things, they're always, like, just learning things that the Bible's taught us for thousands of years. That we're always, like, discovering things medically or in psychology that I'm like, well, yeah, some, some's already had that. Or, like, Ecclesiastes already had that. Or God's been telling people to do that in Jesus for a really long time. And one of the big things here is that pain that is not transformed is going to be transferred. I'm going to read the exact quote here from uh, Ronald Rollheiser. Pain that is not transformed is transferred. So whatever pain we don't have transformed by God, processed by God, taken by God, will eventually be transferred onto others. If we don't deal with what happened in our family growing up, we are going to pass that on to our kids. If we don't deal with the person that hurt us in high school, we're going to take that into our relationships and our friendships going forward. If we don't take the pain that we've experienced and give it to God and let him work on it, then we're just going to pass it on. And Rollheiser here gives a, a different analogy. He says, you know, it's the difference between being a water purifier and an electrical cord. Electrical cords just transmit the current. Whatever comes to you just flows through and gets passed on to other people. But what does a water purifier do? That's one of the things we got to replace at the camp, right, for next year. We have to replace our whole water purification system to a commercial one. And what does it do? It sucks up the water from the lake. It passes it through some filters. It passes it through some more. It treats it with UV. And all the junk, all the sediment, all the stuff that shouldn't be in there that would contaminate or hurt if it was passed on is out of that water. And what comes out the other end is clean and pure and life-giving. That's the difference when pain is transformed. And it's not like it's a fun thing to do if we have time or, you know, it's the best outcome. If we don't have a transformation of our pain, if we don't have a processing of our hurt, we are going to pass it on to other people. And we are going to pass on everything. 
And of course, yeah, this has taken root in psychology and taken root in all sorts of you know, therapy and trauma counseling is the most current language about it. But again, if we don't take our pain and deal with it, look at it, grieve what needs to be grieved, identify what needs to be held back, say this feeling is legitimate, we're going to pass it on. Another phrase that's been used a lot, right, that I've, I've, I think I've said it before, but it's certainly been said by many people before me, is if you don't heal what from, hurt, what, from what hurt you, you will bleed on those that didn't cut you. If you don't heal from what hurt you, you will bleed on those who didn't cut you. And I can think at times, I'm like, man, there are times when I reacted to a situation, and I was reacting not to the person in front of me, but to the person in my head from 15 years ago, right? I wasn't reacting to the situation that was going on, I was reacting to some past hurt that maybe amplified what was going on right in front of me. This is something that, whether you're a Christian or not, you recognized. Whatever pain is not transformed is going to be transferred. And so it's important, not just for our character or avoiding sin, but it's important for how we, how we conduct ourselves in life and our effect on other people, that if we don't bring our pain to God, it's just going to be passed on to others. And I don't want to be an electrical cord. I want to be the insulation around the cord. I want to hold back and not pass on things that will not be life-giving. I want all the experiences that I have to go through, the water purifier, and make sure that it comes out the other end is not going to harm anybody. Whatever pain is not transformed is going to be transferred. And that's one of the most important lessons I think that the Psalms have to teach us, is that not only does, are we able to have that happen, but God's always willing to do the transforming. He's always willing to give us the power that we need to do that. And again, as New Testament Christians, right, we know that we all have the Holy Spirit. And he's the one who's the comforter. He's the one who's the helper. He's the one who gives and bears fruit of being connected to him. The patience, the goodness, the kindness, the long-suffering, the forgiveness, the not keeping record of wrong. God's the one who enables us to take the situations that we're in, be honest about our pain, grieve it, deal with what's happened. Sometimes set boundaries so we're not setting ourselves up for the same thing to happen ten times in a row. But we're transformed. As it says in Romans 12, right? That we are transformed by the renewing of our minds as we bring things to God. And so you don't need to know all this theory behind it. You don't need to know every single thing in psychology. You don't need to know everything that happened in the New Testament. You just need to do what David did, what Jesus did, what Christians have done through the centuries is read the Psalms and pray the Psalms. Because God didn't give a bunch of hoops to jump over about, you need to know why this works before you can do it. You can just start doing it. You can start reading the Psalms. You know, stick a bookmark in your Bible or in your Bible app, just flip to a new one every day and start reading through them. And sometimes we get to some language like enemies and we go, okay, you know, as a New Testament Christian, I love my enemies and I know that Jesus has like overcome spiritual enemies. We can just start using it as a prayer book and pray these things to God really honestly. And then we can say at the end of it, still I trust in you, God. My heart's going to rejoice. I will remember your unfailing love. I will remember that you have been good to me. So as we close today, I'm going to have uh, Jared come up for the last worship song. And I want to invite us, again, if you have a Bible in front of you, if you have your phone to do um, Bible Gateway, pull up Psalm 13. Because I want us to read it together as, as a congregation. And if you're going through something, you might go, okay, this is, this is the pain. This is the thing that's going on right now. And this is what I need us to... I needed my heart to talk to God. Or you might go, God, right now, I can't identify anything specific. This actually, it's been a pretty good week. It's been a pretty good month. I'm just glad for it to be summer. Um, and if that's your case, I just ask to 
put it in your memory bank for later. Have God give you a little bit of muscle memory for when you need it, that you can pull this out. And if you're new to this, if you're watching online, or if you're not really sure about this God stuff, ask God to show who he is to you. He's a God who loves you. He's a God who doesn't leave us alone in our pain. He's a God who adopts us into his family, forgives our sins, and puts his Holy Spirit in us. And he's worthy of being trusted today. So as Jared and Tristan come up, I'm going to invite those who are here to, uh, if you can, stand with us. We're going to put Psalm 13 on the screen, and we're going to read it together. I'm going to try and read slow, and I'll invite you that if, um, to, to read out loud with me. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Lord, we thank you that you've been good to us. And God, we thank you that you've died to pay for our sins. To remove pain, God, to restore creation, to one day make all things well. And God, we've been the source of pain. We confess our sins, God. We pray that you'd forgive us and make us agents of reconciliation. Make us agents, God, that only bring life, that are your ambassadors, God, as you've called us to be. God, I pray for those who need comfort today, God, that you would just comfort them with your Holy Spirit. May that be filling them and overflowing. And God, for those who are struggling to trust today in your unfailing love, God, I pray that you would give them a fresh infusion of strength, a fresh infusion of sureness, God, a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. And God, for anyone who doesn't know you yet, Lord, I pray that this would be the day today that they trust in you, that you are the God who cares, you are the God who sees, you are the God who takes every tear and puts it in your bottle, Lord, that you don't forget anything we've gone through, but you've made a way to forgive our sins, to heal all our diseases, and to one day have no sickness or mourning or crying or pain, but only have eternal life, Jesus. I pray that today is the day that someone makes a step over that threshold. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mayor.